Grace and peace. You're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to praying about racial strife, especially between Christians. Uh, We want to help Christians think about uh, race and racism in a way that is biblical and helpful clear and hopeful. Uh, we, we strive to be that in all our efforts. You can learn more at our website. Uh, that's youwepray.com, the letter U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. I'm one of the hosts, Isaac Adams, here with Austin Suter. How you doing, Isaac? Doing well, man. Getting cold. Turkey Day's around the corner. Probably when people are listening to this, it'll be post-Turkey Day, and the Trypto fan will be setting in. Christmas and all that good stuff is around the corner. Doing well. What about yourself, man? I'm good. I'm gearing up to throw a turkey in the smoker, making all my, you know, preps for redneck Thanksgiving should be uh, should be a good time. There we go. So you don't just go kill your Thanksgiving dinner the day of something like slaughter it that morning. If I had more time, you you know, it's just the time. (laughs) There it is. Austin, as we're talking about this topic, I think um, one passage that's often cited, appropriately so, is Revelation 7. Uh, And just as we're praying at the beginning of episodes, let me just read this verse uh, about the vision of heaven and what it looks like. John writes after this, Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Brother, let's just join in in that cry before we, uh, as we hop into this topic, let's pray. Father, we know on that last day, we will see diversity united around Christ's throne. We will see people from all tribes, your word says, and yet we will be united. We will be wearing white robes, clothed in the righteousness of your son. We long for that day. Uh, We're eager for that day. We pray that Jesus would come quickly. We ask that you give us grace to work toward that day as we work and fumble around in our churches, which are dress rehearsals at best of that great day. We ask all these things and confessing that salvation belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for that. There it is. So, Austin, what what are we talking about today, man? What are we we chopping up about? We are talking about multi-ethnic ministry. I'm thinking specifically in the context of the local church. I don't know if that's what you had in mind as we have been considering this topic. Um, I think that's appropriate. I think that's what we're looking at, man. But whether it's your church, whether it's your ministry, your organization, a lot of people are striving for ethnic diversity. Ethnic diversity is seen as this good thing uh, and a corrective to the sins of the past. And it's something that a lot of people are pursuing. But I wanted to talk to you first just to ask that basic question. It is, a, is it a good thing for Christians to pursue ethnic diversity? Yes. Yes. It's, it's certainly a great thing. A good thing. I would even say great thing. I mean, I, I kind of I want to turn the question back to someone who would say it's not. Be like, tell me why it's not. Now, I think, well, I'm sure we'll press more into this. It depends on what we mean by ethnic diversity, right? Do we want a kind of, hey, this is our, we have enough minorities, we're in a predominantly white context, and we just want enough minorities uh, where we feel better about ourselves, and, uh, you know, we can kind of have the college brochure picture on our website, everyone's nice and represented, but we're not actually changing some things, or actually, you know, 
just living in such a way as if it's true that the gospel saves all different kinds of people and that this church is for all different kinds of people. Uh, so I think we want to press in probably to what you mean uh, by that kind of diver, uh, diversity. Um, because I, I think I've said in the past, a lot of people want a diverse church, but not a church that's too diverse. Yeah. Not one that actually requires serious burden bearing sacrificing the status quo and giving up your preferences because we all are in the flesh wrestle with sin and want things our way oftentimes so but on the whole man i I mean given and we're in the kind of evangelical space given evangelical history on this my goodness someone says i i think they sincerely mean it in the right ways we want that we want this place to look more like heaven praise god and that's a good thing uh, because we know what revelation 7 says about the final day amen So, Isaac, to ask our first sort of clarifying question then about the nature of ethnic diversity, is it essential to who we are as Christians or as a church? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, essential. As if you're, if we're talking about individual Christians, not no, because what's essential is repentance and faith. Uh, and if it's essential to who we are as a church, I mean, insofar as we're talking about the universal church, yes. I mean, the gospel is for all peoples, all tribes, as we talked about. Uh, if we're talking about local church, little c gathering of, you know, what I would, what we've said before, gathering of baptized believers who gather regularly one place for the sacraments of the right preaching of God's word and the ordinances. No, I mean, it's the, the new Testament doesn't prescribe how diverse a church must be. Now diversity is a wonderful fruit of the gospel uh, insofar as Jew and Gentile are united into one man. So I guess in that sense, uh, yes, it is. I mean, this is what we see as, as fruit of Christ's death and resurrection is this, unity of one new of Jew and Gentile uh, that we're called to maintain later in Ephesians 4. What the diversity of Jew and Gentile looks like in our neighborhoods, well, that's a different question. Um, so I, I want to say yes and no, depending on what we mean. Right. So essential yes, insofar as the gospel is for everyone, and we want to see all kinds of people converted and go to churches but they may or may not go to church together or to a greater or lesser degree. And there's not a sort of baseline level of diversity that's required before a church is legitimate. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a good summary. And I just add, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's a good summary. I think there might be good or bad reasons they may not go to church together, but they're not all bad, uh, though they're not all good either. Well, let's go there. When is it a bad idea? When is pursuing ethnic diversity a bad idea? Well, Again, again, it's it's not it's not a bad idea. Well, okay, uh, to your question, when is it a bad idea? It's a bad idea if diversity is your end goal. And here's what I mean: uh, diversity and integration are wonderful things. I mean, this this podcast is called "United We Pray" for crying out loud, right? So we're we're about that. Um, but they can be distracting and superficial goals. What do I mean? Uh, if diversity is an end of itself. Uh, then we might think that, hey, once our church is 25% this and 36% that and 40% that, then we're really being faithful when you're kind of dealing in God's business at that point. It's just like that community looks that way, maybe for some horrid historical reasons, but nonetheless, God has shaped that community in such a way that you simply cannot control that or manipulate that. And that's what I mean by it being superficial. In other words, we don't want a diverse church that has not love. 
And if we're not careful, right. we can start doing some things to divert to, to attract a diverse crowd. Um, but a, a crowd that has not love or has not the gospel. And that's not good. Right. Uh, I mean, a, a Justin Timberlake concert, maybe outside the demographic of age, is probably really diverse, looks really good. Right. Uh, and I've heard people say, like, we need to be as diverse as the local, you know, NFL team teams games are or the stadiums are. Right. And I'm like, yeah, if you've ever been to an NFL football game and you see someone spill their drink on someone, you learn very quickly that there's no love in that place. Those people don't know each other. They don't know each other's names, much less care for each other, not going to the hospital to visit one another. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I like what Piper says, uh, you know, diversity is great. Just remember that hell is diverse too. Right. It's just, you know, so we read Revelation seven. We're like, oh, we want our churches to look like that. It's just like hell is a diverse place, too. And we need to remember that. And then I think it's also a bad idea um, when it's an end of itself, because it distracts from the greater issue. If, if, if we just become a, about apparent and superficial diversity, we can think we've done our job when, you know, whatever our thresholds, which are by definition arbitrary because they're not in scripture. So whatever percentage we might think uh, our church needs to look like, um, well, this is kind of what I mean. I think faithfulness, justice, love, and mercy, those weightier matters of the law are what we should be about. And so if, uh, if there's a predominantly white or predominantly black or predominantly brown congregation committed to those things, welcoming to all people, I think that's God glorifying and good and right. And I'd rather see a church committed to those things rather than, hey, we need to have this level of apparent diversity. Okay, so it's a bad idea when diversity is made an end to itself, that everything else must serve. Right. Is it ever a good thing done wrongly? Yes. Um, one way it's done wrongly, I mean, I think it's when it diversity is more of a, a perhaps a priority than it should be, is when you sacrifice theological convictions to pursue it. Uh, now I'm not sure. saying I'm not saying uh, you can't have someone who differs on some things, but this is why that episode we did with those kind of concentric circles are so useful. Uh, if you're sacrificing on what it means for someone to be a Christian, so you can have some diverse look, well, that's that's not good, right? Uh, now you can you might have diversity on circles two and three on things or circles three, frankly, things we can disagree out, disagree about and still be in this church. And you'll probably need to have that kind of diversity, but let's just give a practical example of how it could, it's a good thing done wrongly is hiring the minority brother and kind of expecting him to be the representative of all black people or of the black perspective, as if there is a monolithic black perspective, and putting all the pressure on him to kind of be the representative. Now, again, I think hiring diversely, great if you can get it, um, but I think you know some predominantly white churches might think they're more ready for a black pastor than they actually are. And you, who ends up suffering it for the, who ends up suffering the most for it is that brother, who was hired and his dear family and his kids and getting burned for it um, when things go south. So um, I think that's an example of how it can be done wrongly if we're looking to like, oh, this is our, you know, Michael Emerson has a good article called the diversity expert that I think is really challenging. Like, oh, this is our diversity expert. Like now we can do this. And it's like, no, it's just like, this isn't something you outsource. It's in fact something the majority needs to be giving its mind and heart to thinking about. And I really appreciate you using that example because, I mean, the minute you try to reverse engineer something that's outside your control anyway, 
Like you just right. get into unloving situations. You 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 fail in your duty and your obligation to love people because right. you put some good above them. Right, right. You're using them to an end, and and no one mean like goodness. No one is meaning to do this, but no. unwittingly it can happen. And uh, you know, and I say this as. Um, I think the only black staff on the pastor on the staff I'm currently on and I'm treated wonderfully. And, you know, Mark is thinking about these things. He often tells me, man, if you were dead, I'd still be thinking about these things. And I'm like, you know, could use a little more gentleness there. No, I'm playing, but, uh, (laughs) he, it's like, I, I, I appreciate it. He's saying like, brother, I'm reading these books, you know, when you come and when you leave, like I'm reading them before you're born. Like, and I, that's the kind of, I think. Uh, posture that allows me like, ah, I'm, I'm not alone in this or they're not expecting me to carry some burden on this. And Mark's gone as far to say like, you shouldn't have, like, it shouldn't be you out there on the front line. Like we should be the white pastor saying some stuff like this, but I don't want to, you know, speak for him. He's not on this episode. So, yeah. Well, once you've put your goal above people or above faithfulness to God, you're basically in the textbook definition for idolatry, right? At yeah. that point, you would say that your goal of ethnic diversity has become an idol in your church. What are what are some signs that that might be taking place? Yeah, I mean, just just on the definition of idol, I think Keller helpfully phrases it as a good thing becoming an ultimate thing. You know, it's often our idols are good things, good gifts. Diversity is a wonderful thing. It testifies to the power of the gospel. Uh, We want to see that. My goodness. Like we don't want, and that's why we don't just want monoethnic churches of like, because I think on some level that says the gospel can conquer everything but race. And that's not true. And that's why, you know, we're committed on the show to just making clear racial strife and disunity among Christians lies about the power of the gospel. So uh, how might we know if it if it's become an idol? Well, it kind of goes back to some of the stuff we were saying before. Uh, you're sacrificing core Christian convictions for it. It's like, okay, why why is this thing so ultimate that we're throwing out parts of the Bible that we believe? Um, you are outsourcing it. Uh, to whoever you feel the diversity expert or representative must be, um, you you are more concerned about the appearance of your church than its faithfulness. And man, that's just, I mean, that's just classic sinner stuff, right? Like, this is right. why, you know, let's take it out of race, you know, people are like, why would David be our king? He's a little, like, he's out there in the field. Like, give me one of his brothers, right? And, and what is God going to say? The Lord sees not as man sees, right? He, so it's just, we we are just so trained to be like, to to walk, to lean on our own understanding. And so I think probably that's the one I see most, or at least that I think is most easily fell into, that temptation is to be so consumed by how we are or are not looking. And I'll, I want to be careful, Austin, because I appreciate the birth. Right, right. How, how do we do it? Like, we've said all the wrong ways. How do I do it the right way then? Man, I think um, it's, I think the basic posture is one of, it's it's the Christian life, work and rest. And in this area, I can see a lot of too much resting or too much work. And I think you basically want to see like, hey, are we doing everything we can and are we trusting God? So that's kind of posture on the specifics. I mean, like, uh, again, it's like, like if you can hire diversely, do it. Great. If you can, great. If you can get it, just don't rely on it too much. Um, and I think one reason this is just going back to your last question. Sorry, I know I'm weaving in and out. But one other way you know it's an idol is when you become consumed with how your own church looks rather than 
other partnerships you can have that display the unity we have in the gospel. So what I mean is you're more concerned about your own kind of kingdom and house than Christ's broader kingdom. Um, and so like, how are we looking? And, you know, I don't want you to go to that other church because oh, you bring so much diversity here. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, people come and go and we need to let them come and go so long as they're going to, you know, other good gospel preaching churches. Um, so I think one way we can go about this is not just focusing on our own church, but encouraging, you know, the local black church, the local Hispanic congregation, uh, and seeing that, okay, our diversity is more than just the people inside this building, though we hope that diversity, of course, increases as well. You know, so before this, you and I, Austin, were talking about, uh, I'll just, you know, steal some of your eternal reward. Uh, you know, Thabiti launched his, um, the Creek Collective today, this church planning network for black and brown communities that aren't being gentrified, but are being overlooked. You know, you said you donated to that. And I think that's good fruit of you displaying your unity in Christ is what we see in the New Testament. Church is helping one another. Um, and so we don't want to just be, we want to have eyes on our own congregations, of course, but eyes on other congregations. So that's one way uh, to go about pursuing it in a way that loves God and loves people. And then the next is real simple. Let's just treat people as people and not projects, peers and not projects. So like, oh man, this is, I'm going to go find someone who is, um, looks physically different from me, but is culturally the same. It's like, you know, so I can be comfortable on some level. And I'm not saying that's a bad friend to have. And if that's as diverse as your church is, great, so be it. Um, but what I'm saying is we don't want to, I think it was Jerome Gay who said that really is a form of kind of tokenism. We don't want to tokenize people. Or we want to just see people and love them for who they are. It means seeing those things about them, right? So we're not just going colorblind. It also means seeing that those things aren't ultimate things. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about idols. Uh, is we want to keep good things as good things and not make them ultimate things in either sense. Does that make any sense or am I just rambling? Well, it can be both. Um <laughs> God bless you. No, I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. Like, you know, love people more than you love what they bring to you or your church. Um, right. Have faithfulness to God as your as the forefront of your mind, which does nothing to harm ethnic unity and diversity. It, it helps it. I mean, if you're really considering what your obligations are to your brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, once they come to your church, you're going to treat them better. Yeah. Rather than, you know, getting this idea in your head about reverse engineering. So yeah, I, there was there was a lot of helpful stuff in there. I hope people can glean their way through it through all of what we said. And let me say, let me just say one thing because you know, we're talking about not assuming or taking for granted the basic thing. I mean, you you do need to keep preaching the God. I mean, you hold high, Christ high and he draws men and women from all different sorts of corners. So just keep holding Christ high and keep praying for it. I mean, pray about it. Give the vision to your people. So I remember Mark one time, the elders always come down to the front um, whenever we install a new elder and we're predominantly white church with predominantly white eldership. Uh, and Mark just said, look, we're thrilled for our new uh, white brother elders. We would love to have more minority elders. This is a good thing for us to be praying about as a church. And it's just like, I, I bet that was something people hadn't had on their prayer list maybe that week ahead of time, but that a lot of people added afterward. And this is, this is what we do on the show, right? We want, like, it's, what can we do, you know, and we can think of all these innovative ways or we can just get on our knees and get on our faces and say, we need help and we need you to provide because, you know, pastors are actually gifts to the church, meaning we don't, we can't just go get them. We need them given to us. Would you provide? 
And so, yeah. Well, let's do that now. Isn't that a segue to pray? Yes. Yeah. It's Amen. like we're doing this on purpose. Why don't I open this <laughs> and you can close? Amen. Go ahead. Father, thank you for my brother. Thank you for the time to have this conversation. Thank you for the church. Um, Lord, before it is ours in any sense, the church belongs to you and you are building it and you have promised to Amen. preserve it. And so, Lord, we just ask that uh, you would increase our faithfulness, that you would make us better at loving brothers and sisters, whether they look like us or not. Lord, keep us from idolatry, keep us from pride, keep us from racism, keep us from tokenism. Lord, give us wisdom in how to uh, be faithful in these evil days. Um, Lord, and may we look forward to that day when we are all gathered around your throne together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we are so weak that we often bobble and fumble the good gifts you've given us. And we either make too little of them or too much of them. Father, we don't want to be about our own churches to the exclusion of other churches. We don't want to think faithfulness must necessarily look like this arbitrary percentage. We don't want to look at a church that's more mono, that, that is predominantly any ethnicity, and think less of it and better of ourselves. Rather, we ask for simple grace that we might work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is you who work in us, Lord. So help us to do our part. And Lord, would you do your part? And no small, no small aspect of your part was your son hanging on the cross, bringing together Jew and Gentile into one new man, a chosen race, a holy priesthood. Father, we pray that we would live that out in all the different ways you would have us live that out, uh, that we would put sweat and prayer into this, and that we would go to sleep with a smile on our face knowing that you are a good God, and that love between sinners is a really tricky business, and in there requires a lot of grace. So Father, help us not to unnecessarily compare ourselves, which can either lead toward condemning ourselves or puffing ourselves up. Father, give us, though, diversity that would testify to the power of the gospel, that the world might see, this is how these Christians love one another. That my workplace is divided, but that church seems united, and they love one another. I want to be a part of that love. Father, help us to do this. As our sister Danya said in the article uh, that came out uh, about Hispanic brothers and sisters, help us to do this that we might magnify the excellencies of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Isaac. Austin, I love Danya's article. I know people are listening to this like, what's he talking about? Danya's article, I know you're, you're doing shorts with information about stuff on the website, but Danya's article uh, that came out today, which is, this is the 19th of November, you can check that out, her When I Recognize Race uh, from a her, Hispanic perspective, I think was powerful and really sad about racism against immigrants. Yeah, one of the best articles we've ever published, um, though it's really hard to read at times. Right. So yeah, definitely check that one out. I know. Uh, if you're listening to this, it came out about a week ago. Check it out on the website. All right, friends. Hey, thanks so much for uh, joining us for this time and for praying with us. You can find more at uwepray.com. That's uvpray.com. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us at any point about things we may or may not talk about or thoughts you have, uh, and we'll drop it there. Grace and peace. <laughs>